What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Perez, along with Anthony Florentino. Today is episode 34 featuring Mike Nitre. Mike is a former hockey player and now current mental health worker on the nursing staff in the number one psych hospital in New Jersey. He is also a founder of Boondocks Hunting, which he talks about later on in today's podcast. Our friends over at Daily Dose CBD Inc., who we are proudly sponsored by, have recently upped our promo code by 10% for a grand total of 20% off all purchases. We are so pumped to relay this message to you guys. They have an array of high-quality and highly effective products, so go check them out at DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND for 20% off all purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND for 20% off all purchases at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Episode 34, coming at you. Let's get into it. We appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so no much. No problem. No problem at all. Yeah, if you don't mind just introducing yourself for everyone out there listening, so they, uh, you know, get to know who you are. My name is Mike Nitre. Um, like Danny said, I'm a '93. Uh, I was born in August. Uh, played hockey my whole entire life. Honestly, I growing up, I didn't know much else. I mean, yeah, I played baseball and stuff like that, but I grew up in a hockey family and. Um, Hockey was on my mind and my family's mind 24-7. Traveled all over the damn country. (laughs) Been, of course, traveled all over Canada. Uh, Played at a pretty high level. And, um, you know, I've had some great accomplishments. You know, I've had some highs, some lows. And, you know, the usual experience, you know, really that, you know, you guys have had and, you know, a lot of the guys out there have had and have gone through some things. And I've learned a lot, especially in the – mental mental health department there and um i've been able to grow you know outside of hockey as well and have continued my path on with uh other things as well yeah no that's awesome anyway i was obviously on your podcast previously and we spoke a couple you know a little bit about your experience and kind of what you're doing after hockey and um you know just before we get into the after hockey sort of stuff with mental health talk about kind of some of your experiences that you have gone through um just with mental health in general and how that's kind of played a role as far as athletics? Well, I can definitely say my anxiety and the depression didn't really kick in until my, I want to say my junior year. Um, Everything besides that was for the most part fine. I mean, when I was younger, Danny, I'd also wake up um, just panicking, feel like I had to vomit and just like, I'd have to pace back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, just in the middle of the night, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. At that time, I didn't know really what it was. I just thought it was stomach issues. I didn't think it was anxiety. didn't think anything else. I thought like I was just having regular stomach problems. Um, and then my junior year, um, I, for the most part, I grew up, you know, really without a father. Um, have a father i know him but never really had that father figure except for my grandfather and you know danny you definitely know this i mean grandpa took me everywhere you know every hockey game every tournament you know practice everything he was so committed to to hockey as well and he's the reason why i think uh my passion was there you know 
the way it was and why my drive was there because, you know, there was something that we connected with and, you know, he developed, he got a cancer um, when we were actually in New Hampshire. Um, we had a hockey tournament in New Hampshire. And I remember actually the last game that he watched me play, we played against um, Chicago Steel. And um, it was an amazing game. I think it was a semifinal or something. We lost one nothing, unfortunately, but that was the last game he was at. And, you know, a week later we found out they had cancer and, I can tell you it went downhill from there. School went downhill from there as well. I, you know, I started skipping classes, started, you know, sleeping in. Um, and, you know, I just wasn't the same person. Um, he passed away later in the year. I was finally able to get done with school, but things never got better. Um, I was kind of hiding my anxiety. Um, I didn't know what to do with it. And it was kind of starting to affect my game. Like I, I stopped playing as hard because when I have anxiety attack, especially at that time, I didn't know what was going on. I honestly thought I was having a heart attack the whole entire time. And every time I thought I was having heart issues. So, you know, the, the hustle, the effort would I normally put in before it really wasn't there because I was mentally, I was freaking out and I had no idea what was going on with me. Um, and I remember I woke up one day in the summer after I graduated senior year and I was taking a nap and I actually had a game for men's league later. I woke up and I felt really weird and I got dizzy, lightheaded. My heart was pounding. I mean, going crazy. My hands were tingling and numb and I was freaking out like a full blown anxiety attack. I ended up going to the hospital because I didn't know what was going on with me. Yet again, I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. And ever since then, it just, it wasn't the same. And the depression kicked in really full blown after that. And yeah, I, I struggled with it for a couple of years. I mean, it's a big part of why I didn't pursue hockey after I came home from Boston and kept putting off like, oh yeah, like I will, I will, I will. Like I'm going to get back into it. I'm going to get back into it. And just never, because I was battling, you know, having this battle within me and anxiety and depression was, it was winning for sure for, you know, a good couple of years after I gave up hockey and, you know, I finally was able to, to overcome it for the most part. Yeah. It's uh, for, I have a question about your sort of experience with anxiety and sort of like the depression piece. Is it, you feel like they're directly connected? Like when you have anxiety when you have like a massive anxiety attack, do you feel that it directly will lead into maybe being depressed for quite a bit? Cause that's kind of how it is for me. I'll have like a pretty big anxiety attack or like episode with anxiety. And then immediately after I'll find myself super depressed for, yeah. you know, a couple weeks, a couple months. And is that how it's linked with you or what's your experience with that? So, you know, one thing I, I didn't get to mention is I actually work, I work in the mental health field. Um, so I have patients that I tell exactly that. And I always start off with a question. I go, okay, why are you here? Right. And if they say anxiety, I go, okay, you're here for anxiety. So that must mean that you're most likely here for depression as well. I would say 98% say yes. And it's the same thing for me. And I tell them, I went through the same thing. My anxiety was always followed by depression or my depression would be followed by my anxiety. And um, so 
for me and what it took me a while to learn is the more I sit in bed and try to have this battle by not doing anything and waiting it out and just honestly watching TV, sitting in the dark and really doing nothing, the anxiety and depression was winning. And once I was able to turn my focus on my company for, for hunting and fishing and everything I'm doing now with that, I was able to finally start to beat it. And now I've slowly gotten into it where for the most part, it doesn't really bother me. And I tell my patients that every single day, you cannot sit there and just sleep, even though you want to sleep, or even though you just want to be in your bed, turn off all the lights and watch TV. That is one of the worst things for you because it's only going to make it worse. Yeah, I, I think that's actually, I mean, not to get too off course, but I think Flo says something that's so, I guess, um, indicative of that. And that's an idle mind is devil's playground. And I think that when, I mean, Flo said like four times on different episodes now, or maybe even more, but you know, it's something that like, it's so true. And you're proving that point right here, Mike, by saying that it's like depression, it wants you to just sit in that room and do nothing. But all you're doing is creating an idle mind, which is going to just going to prolong the issues or make them even worse than what they already are. I think, you know, like you said, your, your company is helping you combat that and helping you overcome it, I think is a true testament to getting up and doing something, no matter how hard it is, fighting against those urges to just sit at home and do nothing can be super impactful and just, you know, getting, you know, out of that, that mindset of just sitting at home, doing nothing and letting it fester. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's great. You know what? And I tell people it's normal because when you're at home, you're in your comfort zone. And when you're having anxiety, you really want, you want to do the best to be comfortable because anxiety is uncomfortable. It's, there's nothing comfortable about it. Your whole body is kind of on overdrive, right? And everyone experienced different things. You know, Danny, I know you said you, you used to throw up, you know, I know people who sweat like crazy, you know, you know, can't sit still. So what do you want to do is you, you want to get into bed. You want to cuddle up and be, you know, as safe as you possibly can be. And that's really, that's, that's not it. And it, it's, you know, and it's when you get your mindset to realize that you are so much better off and, you know, being idle, you know, going hiking, Danny, you know, you told me now you've picked up hiking, you know, and all these other things, be active. And that's, that's basically, that's the best advice I can really give to anybody. And I give to my patients is be active. Don't, don't sit, don't, don't let it fester. Don't let it boil. If you have to talk to somebody, go talk to somebody as well. You know, what you guys are doing is you guys give that platform and it's, it doesn't seem much to, to some people, but to, you know, the rest of people who suffer through this, this is all that they need. And, you know, this might be enough to, to let some of that anxiety, that depression out. And to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going through the same thing. And I love hearing people who are going through it. So I know I'm not alone. Yeah. Just to touch back on um, what you said about kind of you'll be depressed for a while and then you'll have an anxiety attack or vice versa. You'll have an anxiety attack. I feel like that's obviously it's, it, it's just interesting to hear how different yet so similar because like you know people always talk about how they're having a couple bad days in a row and then 
they just have a really good cry in the shower or they just let it out. So it, it's, it's not cool to hear, but I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I know that I'm about to have an anxiety attack because, you know, maybe my week wasn't good, but after that anxiety attack, I kind of, that's my big cry, I guess you could say. But then going back to what Danny says, the idle mind is a devil's playground. What you're trying to get across with the being active and whatnot is um, for somebody that copes poorly with drinking or whatnot, being active is so big. And there's another saying, idle hands are hands of the devil. It's the same concept because although like fishing, I bought a fish. I was having a tough couple weeks. I bought a fishing rod and um, I couldn't work out. I had knee surgery. So I had to find something that was, you know, beneficial for my mindset. And um, I've always loved fishing, but I live in a city where it's, you need a license or you're going out there and your bait's too big for the fish that are even there. But um, being active, I think that's like, for some people, they may think being active is, oh, go get a workout and go do this, go do that. But I think the big thing with that is being active doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing this strenuous workout or this you know full house clean although that may help some people but you know I, I've talked about doing Legos all you got it's just something to distract your mind and um, I, I mean fishing is great Danny always sends me pictures of uh, not him fly fishing but just a guy in a is that you in, in the picture you sent me, Danny, or is that just a random picture? Which one? Because I've sent you a couple, but I might have sent you one with me actually fly fishing, or there's been times <laughs> where I've gone taking pictures of other people fly fishing. But being out there is just like, nice regardless, though, you know? <laughs> but, but that even proves more of the point is you're getting out there, and, you know, for some people it may be photography. Like, it just something that – distracts your mind distracts your body and uh, I was living my billets in Connecticut and I played darts every night and I was like all right yeah maybe frustrating but it's I guess you could say constructive towards that you know frustration because although you want to perform you're still just focusing on that triple 20 spot on the dartboard which I, I think people kind of misunderstand as like being active or just getting up and doing something because laying in bed is basically like quicksand because you just continue to think and the more you think the deeper into that mattress you fall. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's just a matter of getting active and doing something like you said to, to distract that mind. And, you know, Mike, as, as far as sort of what you're doing with mental health now, um, from like a professional standpoint, talk about kind of just your general, you know, position, what you're doing and um, your training with that and maybe how that's helped you in, in ways or, you know, kind of just what you're doing right now. It definitely has helped me. So I am a mental health worker. Um, <clears throat> I work on the nursing staff 
at a uh, actually that's considered the number one psych hospital in New Jersey. So we get everyone. We've gotten patients from Connecticut, New York, New York, everywhere, Texas even. Um, <clears throat> but what I do is my day to day work is I'm hands on with the kids. So I spend forty plus hours a week working with the kids, whatever it is. I mean, from getting them day-to-day through their group schoolwork, um, talking to them, running the day room where there are workouts. I work out with them. I run their workout groups. Um, uh, you know, making sure that they are being safe. And I mean, these kids, and I work with children, um, the adults are, it's, it's much different than what we're doing, but everything's structured because most of these kids are coming from non-structured homes so you know they a lot of gang members a lot of sex trafficking um a lot of i have a lot of autistic patients like a lot i've never thought in my life i would be working with autism and that has become a very popular thing i mean right now i have a patient um he's considered a one-to-one so he has one specific staff that's assigned to him and this kid great kid you know he's not very verbal but the way he expresses himself is so negative as in he beats the crap out of himself and if he's hungry and he doesn't get what he wants he just pounds his face and just pounds it and pounds it where his chin right now is actually like splitting open right and we have as soon as that happens we have to go handle it you know and it is a struggle um, a struggle. Wow. And, you know, there'll be times where you're sweating. <laughs> There's times that you're bleeding, you know, and, you know, you're trying to help these kids the best that you can. Um, a lot of kids are there for suicide attempts, drug overdoses, um, and everyone is different. And you have to handle the situation differently with just one kid here, one kid here, one kid here. So you're giving advice to one kid, but it may not be the right advice for, you know, the girl that's sitting to my right, you know, so I have to now change my strategy when I'm talking to her and give her different um, topics and different coping skills and different, you know, life advice than what I just gave that one other person. Um, So my job is really, it's changing constantly and it's teaching me and it's growing me in a person of, I have now all these responsibilities with every single kid in there. Um, my job is to keep these kids safe, to do the, to do the best I can so that they know that their life isn't meaningless, you know, that they are, you know, worthless and, you know, they should die because they can't control their anxiety or they can't control their depression yet. Or even some of it, like I was talking to this girl, one of my patients, she just left. She, purges which is basically she sticks her fingers down her throat and she throws up right and she does it because she thinks she's fat when i tell you this girl has really no fat on her but in her mindset she is this disgusting you know piece of garbage and that's literally what she told me and so my job is and the job of everyone else is okay how are we going to break this all right what do we do so when I sit down and talk to her, it's simple. Your mindset 
if it's always going to be negative, you're not going to get anywhere, right? So every day you have to wake up and say, okay, I am skiddy, right? I am going to get through this, right? I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm not going to see you know, fat. I'm not going to see, you know, this disgusting body that you are magically making up. You're going to go for a walk. You're going to go exercise, whatever you need to do. You're going to eat a meal that's healthy for you. Stay away from, you know, the fast food. Stay away from, you know, the junk food if that's how you feel. Because guess what? If you eat the fast food, most likely you're just going to assume already that, that you're disgusting and you're fat. And it, it's kind of like people who are listening, they're probably like, well, that, that's not much advice, you know, but to these kids, it is. It's sometimes the simplest and smallest things that you have to pull. You're not always looking for the biggest things. You're looking for small so they can build themselves up, you know, and you have to, you know, put the groundwork down before we can work on some of the serious things. And they have to grow that confidence as a person because these kids are really, there's no confidence in them at all. You're muted. Jeez, sorry about that. <laughs> I, uh, I love how you said that um, it seems so simple because, and like you said, because it is, well, that I think that we try and find our answers in these, I wouldn't say unrealistic places, but just places where they're not always going to be, you know, I think for high performing people or just people in general, we, we always think that the next paycheck is going to alleviate the stress or, you know, if you reach that next goal, you get that dream car, it's going to alleviate the anxiety and the stress. I think by simplifying your life and just like you said, having that structure in your life on a day-to-day -day basis, consistently being positive, consistently getting outside and, and being out in nature and doing something positive for your mind and your body and your soul. I think those little things add up to make far bigger differences than you just thinking that if you get this big bonus or this big paycheck, all of a sudden your anxieties are going to magically go away. I th and I think that you saying that it seems so simple because it is, I mean, it is, I think we look for these answers and things that they're not always going to be there. And I think, like you said, structure is one of the things that you implement into these kids' day-to-day -day lives. And I think structure is something we've talked about before in the past. And it's such an important thing um, for people, I think, with, you know, some sort of mental, mental illness or, you know, just struggling mentally. I think starting with some structure and, you know, being grateful for the things you have around you is just a great way to start that can really help you find some, you know, tangible benefits right when you start to do them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and then I, another thing, um, go ahead, Flo, sorry. Real quick. I just, I just think that with you saying it seems so small, I think people don't take into consideration that the environment that they're coming from, the people that are around them, hearing them say those things, probably look at those things that they're saying about them being you know, unhappy in their body as so small. So they don't even get any sort of recognition of the struggle that they have. So for them to hear something little like that is probably so, you know, helpful to them because 
they've never even had any sort of, you know, reassurance towards what they were struggling with. Yep. No, definitely. You know, and, you know, I'll give you actually another real quick story of another girl. But so she, because we have to call these kids by their birth name. Now, this girl, she considers herself a man, right? So she's trans and I've been working with her now for four months. You know, when I say mean cuts up and down the body, you know, very negative person, you know, not much confidence. Plus, you know, something I didn't expect when I first started almost three years ago, this job was the amount of patients that were sexually assaulted by family members. Right. And unfortunately this girl was okay. So now she's this person who doesn't trust really anyone doesn't see herself as anything, you know, good. She, you know, she is almost as negative as you can get. And what I have done with her, me personally is, and with all the kids, we do this. There is no such thing as I can't. Okay. So when we do these workouts or we're working on homework or, you know, they're telling me, Mr. Mike, I can't do this. I can't go, you know, another day in this hospital. I can't go another day living like this. I go, no, that's bull crap. Okay. I don't want to hear that I can't. Okay. Because every time you say I can't to me, you're just telling me you don't want to do it. Life is about working hard and it is the most difficult thing you're going to do. Every day is a challenge. You cannot give up. So when you're saying I can't, you're automatically giving up at the task that's at hand. So we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to say, Mr. Mike, I can't do this. I can't do that. No. All right. We're going to work hard. So if we're doing an exercise and my goal is like, okay, here, let's do 50 push-ups right now. All right. And you know, this girl will be like, Mr. Mike, I, I can't do 50 push-ups. I go, no, you have even tried. You don't know that you can't do it. So let's go and let's get there. Okay. She'll do one, she'll do two, she'll do three. And as we get on, she's starting to slow down like most people does. And she stops. It's like, Mr. Mike, you know what? Right now, my body is not allowing me to complete the rest of this workout. I go, okay, you know what? That's a lot better than saying I can't do it. You just gave your whole effort, right? You did not give up easily. You busted your butt to complete something. Okay. You came up a little short, but that's okay. Okay. So the next day or two days when we do it, you're going to do more than you did the day before. And you know what? That's what she does. And she went from being this extremely negative person who now is growing and is becoming, you know, more confident. Now, there's a lot of work on there's it's not just that simple it's a road and it's a process and i tell her that every day i go when you leave this hospital i'm not going to be there anymore to say let's go do this let's do this let's do this i'm not going to be, be able, i'm not going to be the one pushing you every day you know and if when you're feeling unsafe or you know you want to just quit you can't you're not going to be able to just come be able to talk to me you're going to have to learn how to do this on your own Okay. And she's gotten to the point where she's getting better. Okay. It is just the fact of when these kids leave, how do they act? 
right? And when that first thing goes wrong, when they're outside of the hospital, do they fall back into how they used to be? Or are they actually going to handle it correctly? Be like, okay, you know what? Today, it's just not working. I'm going to try again tomorrow. And I'm going to try again the next day until I complete this goal. And that's one of the other big things I'm trying to do with these kids, you know, is cut down of the, I can't because all of them say I can't. And at some point we all said that we can't do it too. And look, you know, look at us now. Most of us have done it, you know, and it just takes the work and the effort to do it. Yeah. Mike, what are some of the other things that you sort of tell these um, patients in, in the hospital? We talked about structure and we talk about, you know, changing that mindset and the things that you say, but generally what are some of the kind of different points that you try to hit in someone's recovery process that could be beneficial to anyone and all of us that are listening? Okay. So don't sit there and dwell on your past. Okay. So like a lot of my rape victims or sex trafficking victims who are in this depression and I understand you never want to forget what you went through. Okay. But you sitting there and constantly and constantly just dwelling about it and be like, I did something wrong. I did this. I did that. No, that's the wrong message right there. You didn't do anything. Okay. Let's stop looking backwards all the time and let's see what you have now in front of you. Okay. You have the opportunity to change your life around. You have the opportunity to grow in a, a young woman or a young man and make something of yourself and prove, you know, the people wrong in your lives and who did wrong to you. Prove that you are better than them at the end of the day and you're not going to let what they did to you affect you. You know, because if you do, then they won. So let's not let them win. You're going to give them a big F you and you're going to bust your butt to become the person that you want to become, you know, and show everyone out there that you're not damaged goods, you know, that you are still somebody, even though you went through a terrible trauma in your life. And I would say 98, 99% of my patients who are victim to this, they sit there and dwell. So their depression gets worse and they'll be doing good one day. And then boom, the next day they think of one small, and I mean, it could be something like really tiny for a second that they think about it. And then it's over for them. You know, they don't, they don't care how well they've been doing. They don't care how, you know, and it's normal. And I, I understand that because you're healing and you're growing but you want to do your best to move on and try not to go back to those deep, dark days. And I've only had one patient and you know, she was raped by a gang. Okay. She's an ex gang member. She's actually still a current gang member. Actually there's no, she's not an ex, but she made a mistake. She did something wrong. And the way they punished her is they gang raped her. And the first damn day I met this girl, she came and sat, outside next to me in the summer and I introduced myself and she introduced herself and I asked her why she was here and she was like well I was gang raped and at first I didn't register what she said because I'm focusing on also 
all the other kids that I had, I think like 30 or 40 patients outside with me by myself. So I have to yet again, make sure things aren't going on and everything like that. But when I realized what she said and I talked to her about it and I got to know her through the months, she goes, listen, there is nothing that I can do. Okay. I made a mistake. I put myself in a terrible situation. I said, well, you're young. So I don't think you necessarily made the mistake. I think those people who did that to you, they're scums of the earth. Okay. So don't put the blame on you, but look at it in a different way. She goes, Oh no, I do. You know what? I don't let that bother me. This girl was not depressed. This girl had no anxiety. She goes, it happened. I won't forget it happened, but you know what? I have a lot of things going on in my life and I want to do this, 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 and that. And this is without me even giving her my whole damn speech. And I'm like, you know what? You are already ahead of the curve. You know, I truly think, and I told her every damn day, I go, you're going to make something of yourself, right? You just need to stop running away and stop putting yourself in certain situations with hanging with gang members and, and being around gang members all the time. Go to school, finish school, and you're going to be golden. Your mindset already is that of, a, of an adult. Something bad happens. Okay, it happened. Let me move forward with it. And that's, that's what she did, and that's why I try to tell all my patients. It's not only, you know, the rape victims and stuff like that, but more with that just because they're really thinking negatively of the things that happened to them, so... That would definitely be my best advice. I know not everyone is going to necessarily agree with that because, you know, when it comes to rape and stuff like that, people do believe that they, the healing process is much longer and it is and everyone's different, but you don't want to sit and dwell on it 10 years later when, and you're still stuck in the same position that you're stuck in. 10 years before that, you know what I mean? You want to grow as a human. Everyone needs to grow and they need to learn how to accept it, cope with it and don't forget it, but use it in a positive way instead of always using it in a negative way. That would probably be my best advice. Yeah. Oh, that's powerful stuff. It's really powerful stuff, Mike. And I mean, <clears throat> I think, uh, would you say that it's rare for someone who's gone through something like that to, um, you know, kind of have such a positive outlook? And I think, I think we call, everyone can pretty much agree with that. And that's great that she did. Um, you know, that's just, I feel like something that's so, um, I guess, like hard to come by someone who's able to kind of recover in a way so quickly and have that, that mindset. And that's not, not everyone can, can be able to put themselves in that sort of framework. It is extremely rare. And yes, not, that's the problem. That's why when, you know, people are raped and stuff like that and whatever trauma they've gone through, abuse, whatever it is, because not everyone is built like that. Majority of us are not built like that. I don't personally, and I've told, told the patients, I don't know what I would do if, if I was in that situation, you know, I'm hoping that I would be able to be like, okay, it happened it's really unfortunate. It's really sad, but you know, what? I cannot let this break me. So it's a rare, very rare. And it's, if you can have that mindset, like I said, you're ahead of the curve and 
you know, you pretty much have got a good head on your shoulders and you're, you're, you know what you're doing, you know, yeah. and for the, you know, everyone out there that has been in these situations, you know, I am sorry if you've been in this situation, you know, and it's, it's probably one of the worst things you can possibly be in, but it's going to be okay. And you're going to get past it. You just got to believe in yourself and know that at the end of the day, you're still here. You're still alive and you still have plenty, plenty of life to live and get through things and become the person that you want to be. Don't let the other people win. Don't let those, those, these bad people who do these things break you because you're, you guys to us, you know, these victims, you, you're some of the strongest people I freaking know, honestly. Cause I don't think, like I said, I don't think any of us can really go through that. And as macho as some men are, they can't go through that crap. Definitely. Flo, you got anything else for him? No, man, that was, uh, it was definitely powerful. Um, I mean, I commend you for doing what you do. Cause, um, you know, I come from a background where it's like, all right, you know what? You got out of your system. You did this, you did that move forward. So, I mean, it takes a lot for, I mean, for somebody that deals with anxiety and depression or has in the past to, you know, go through it and witness it firsthand with the, these kids and, you know, have to be able to adapt and get to know them and learn what works for them. Um, it's pretty remarkable. So, I mean, hats off to you, but other than that, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I think this would be very beneficial for some people and also, you know, help people realize how lucky we are. And, um, you know, I think it's great what you do. So I mean, keep on trucking. Thank you so much, guys. Um, it was honestly a great pleasure. I love, you know, sitting down and talking about this stuff because, you know, people need help out there and they don't realize that how many other people suffer from, you know, any type of mental health issues and that you're not alone. And, you know, you have people out there like us who, you know, we found what we're good at and we found a group of people who do, who suffer from the same things or are close to the same things, So we can talk about it. And the more we shed light on it, the better, you know, everyone's going to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mike also, if, uh, if you want to give a, a plug to your, podcast you guys have going on over there and and your business and what you guys are are getting into so um i have a company called boondocks hunting um i am a hardcore outdoorsman um been fishing my whole entire life camping my whole entire life um my family's hunted basically their whole entire lives and ever since i had to give up hockey this is basically what i've done i mean right before this interview, I was actually out in the woods hunting. Um, <laughs> you texted me I, when I asked you about coming on tonight. He was like, yeah, I can do tonight, but I'm kind of in the woods right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, so I was, you know, I was at our private property. I was out hunting. Um, the grind still goes on, um, but I was actually not too long after. I had six uh, does, which are female deer. And you can, New Jersey, you're allowed to, of course, shoot them. And I was stalking them. And I was like, I looked at my watch. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I can't do that. I can't shoot a deer right now. I go, I got to get home. So I was like, all right. I was like, you does are, are pretty lucky. Let me, let me head back out. And I got home. But yeah, we, uh, we run a, uh, a hunting and fishing company. And 
our main goal, honestly, is to grow, you know, the sport and the great outdoors and to teach people as much as we can, whether it's fishing, whether it's hunting or whether, you know, hiking or anything about nature and animals. People, the anti-hunters really think that we don't like um, animals or that, but I love animals. I have five cats right now. I have one dog and I have one snake. If I can get anything else, trust me, I would. And I will eventually. Um, I love deer. I love bears. I love everything. But, you know, my belief is the best type of meat out there and the healthiest for you is venison. Is any type of game meat. Um, I shoot everything. I try to eat everything. I try not to waste anything. You know, I try to put everything to good use. And that's really our goal is to to change people's mindsets as well and tell them that, you know, it's okay to do this. You know, it is a, a wonderful thing when you're sitting out there and, you know, you're in your tree stand and like the other day, just snowing and it's perfectly silent and everything's just white and quiet and you're just at peace with yourself. And even actually today, I haven't even told actually really anyone on the company, but I'm heading to my stand and what pops out of the shed that's on the property is this beautiful coyote, just absolutely beautiful. I mean, the coat was nice and long and I have yet to shoot a coyote. I've hunted coyotes and I know how bad they are for the deer population, but I got kind of like stuck in this like awe of just looking at it and just looking at its beauty and just like, damn, like, that it is, you know, you don't get to see this when you're sitting on the couch. You know, I've seen deer fight. I've seen, you know, these humongous, I've seen bear. I've been five, 10 feet away from black bears on the ground that not many other people can say they've, they've been around. You know, I've experienced things that you're not going to be able to experience on the couch. And that's what I love to do. And I want to share that goal. And yeah, we have a podcast called the Garden State Outdoorsman Podcast. And, you know, you guys can go over there and listen to us talk. You can um, look us up at Boondocks Hunting on Instagram and Boondocks Hunting on YouTube. Our YouTube, we're going to start focusing on soon. But, and if you have any questions about hunting, about the outdoors, about, you know, even, even clothing or anything like that, because, you know, we have to dress warm and stuff like that, feel free to hit us up. Or if you have any personal questions, you also want to talk about me with um, mental health, um, feel free to contact me at mike at boondockshunting.com. Um, and I'll give Danny to, to put it in the description and everything like that. I'm down to talk. I mean, this is what I do. My patients talk my damn ear off every single day, just hours and hours about their problems and what they're going through and their life and stuff like that. And I give the best advice I can. I've had probably well over a thousand patients at this point, probably close to 2000 patients by now. Um, so, you know, feel free. And I hope you, you guys in, enjoyed uh, listening to me and uh, I hope I can help as many people as I can. And I hope I can reach, you know, those of you who are really, you know, suffering and don't think there's anything else left in life because you're dead wrong, honestly. That's awesome, Mike. Yeah. Thanks buddy. Really appreciate it and keep doing the good work. And before we let you go, uh, we're asking everybody who's coming on this month, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Damn, you're putting me on the spot like that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, ah, uh, 
it ha it has to be one of the Santa Claus movies. And I would probably have to go with Santa Claus, the first one. It's such a classic and original that Elf is up there too. <laughs> and the Christmas, like it, it's it's too hard to actually pick, but you know what? I'm gonna go with Santa Claus just because I imagine a lot of people are gonna pick Elf or something like that. I'm gonna go with Santa Claus. Perfect. That's a great question. That damn, <laughs> that's a good question, guys. Yeah, of course. But uh, no, thanks again, Mike. Really appreciate you taking the time out to come on and speak with us. So um, again, everyone, check out his Instagrams, Boondocks Hunting, and um, all the information's on there. And yeah, thanks again, Mike. Really appreciate it. No problem. Great talking to you guys. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night.